Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Behind the Mic with Taylor Medic. We hope you're enjoying these because I sure love bringing them to you. Another episode today and another great conversation we will have here on Behind the Mic with Taylor Medic. A fantastic, fantastic conversation you'll hear with my good friend, Rob Hunter. And Rob, I got to know him through my years working for the Sherwood Park Crusaders in the Alberta Junior Hockey League. He was the play-by-play voice of the Bonneville Pontiacs in the Alberta Junior Hockey League. And uh, Bonneville and Sherwood Park saw each other many times during the regular season and as well as in the playoffs. We had a few playoff matchups as well over the years during my time in Sherwood Park. And Rob is uh, a just a, a great great storyteller uh, and he will share some great memories uh, with us uh, in this episode that uh, you'll truly enjoy and he's a man that uh, has been all over the country uh, calling hockey games and and he has had uh, just quite the uh, the, the journey um, and he's now out in uh, Nanaimo, British Columbia on Vancouver Island working for the Nanaimo Clippers. Coincidentally enough, I know the Nanaimo Clippers very well. My older brother played one season there in the late 1990s before heading off to college. And it was uh, awesome to see uh, him play in Nanaimo and uh, just a fantastic hockey community and sporting community in Nanaimo, British Columbia. So the conversation uh, with Rob, uh, we start uh, just talking really how he got started in uh, in the world of sports broadcasting. And Rob will uh, share his journey. Um, as I said, that has uh, taken him literally all across Canada. This is a fun conversation. And uh, let's get right into it right now. Rob Hunter goes behind the mic with myself, Taylor Medic. Well, it's time now for another conversation on Behind the Mic with Taylor Medic, and I'm pleased to be joined by a very good friend of mine, a gentleman I got to know over the years working various events and traveling to Bonneville, Alberta, but he calls home to Nanaimo, British Columbia right now, Rob Hunter. He's the Director of Business Operations for the Nanaimo Clippers of the British Columbia Hockey League. Rob, it's good to catch up with you. This is uh, this is going to be fun. The intermission interviews we always recorded to fill each other's intermissions uh, were never long enough. So I, I like this longer format. We'll have fun. Yeah, Good to hear from you, Taylor. Well, likewise, Rob. And yeah, we'll definitely make up for uh, lost time. And uh, yeah, those uh, <laughs> we'll get into those intermission interviews at, at one point uh, when you were the voice of the Bonneville Pontiacs, the uh, Junior A Hockey Club in the Alberta Junior Hockey League. Uh, Rob, you're uh, you're born in Regina, Saskatchewan, and uh, you ended up uh, going to high school in Lethbridge. Uh, and uh, I just wanted to get uh, started off with uh, why did you get into broadcasting? What got you in uh, the uh, sports broadcasting world mindset? Well, knew that I could never play. Uh, was never that good. Uh, I also spent four years growing up in, in Asia, actually, uh, before the, the years in Lethbridge in high school. So, uh, yeah, it certainly ended my playing career awfully early. Uh, I actually could barely skate. Uh, it's kind of hilarious how bad of a, a skater I actually am. And uh, so then uh, just the opportunity to still be involved in the game, 
Uh, I remember when I was a little kid, I used to uh, listen to Peter Lubardius call Regina Pats games. And uh, we, I, like, I have this memory of driving around in my, my dad's vehicle and I got to sit in the front seat and I would play with the fade and the, the dial uh, was the fade and the whatever the other balance. one is where you can the balance, yeah. And so, like, I'd move wherever the puck was, as Peter was describing the play. I'd move the 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 puck around the vehicle as to what's what sound the speaker was coming out of. So, uh, it really really enjoyed doing that, and uh, just uh, you know, again, just an opportunity to be involved in in the game and. Uh, never, never thought I'd actually get too serious into it, uh, but then uh, had the opportunity at Saint Effects University, uh, Saint Francis Xavier out in Nova Scotia, and I went out there. Um, started volunteering at the campus radio station, just hosting like a weekly show uh, that absolutely nobody listened to, and uh, just had a, a good time with a with a buddy doing that show. And then one day at the station, had the opportunity to. Um, find a way to or no they found some gear in the station and just i was asking around what's this gear for and they said oh it's for doing remote broadcasts you can take the gear out and go wherever you want to go and i said can i take it down to the hockey rink they said sure go for it we don't care and uh, so i started calling hockey games out there just for fun just for filling time at that university and uh, again listenership was real low it was a not a commercial radio station so just a campus station so you know, didn't worry about uh, making advertisers angry or, or anything to that extent. And uh, just uh, kept calling games and making all kinds of mistakes. But I, I'd like to think that I got better as, as things went along and uh, and just had a good time with it. Uh, all through those four years of university, though, never thought that I'd end up doing it uh, professionally. Uh, just had a good time with it. And then graduated with an information systems degree right when the dot-com bubble burst wasn't a whole lot of jobs out there and, and that's when i started seeing well you know what the most fun i've ever had in my life was calling hockey games i wonder if i can do that for a living and ended up uh, finding wabc in saskatoon and went and did that diploma program and uh, and uh, i guess uh, that's how i got into the career well you you, you kind of just answered several next questions because i was going to get into <laughs> education and, and 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 what you took and let's go back to you know those days of uh of calling games at uh at saint fx the x-men um how do you they how do they call the alumni x-men are you are you an x-man or you're just a former x-men yeah sure <laughs> I, I, yeah something along those lines yeah uh, you, just, you just kind of flash the X ring at people and don't really answer the question. <laughs> there you go. I might have offended yeah. the grammar police and Marvel police uh, in one shot there. Uh, what was it like, you know, the fact that, you know, it's a, a hockey program. Were there any other athletics being covered um, at the school at the time? Because it seems very uh, odd, even though, it, you know, several years ago that, um, you know, the it's the hockey team isn't being covered on uh, on a, on a radio station or, or webcast or whatnot. Was that very surprising or, or the norm back then uh, for that uh, that area of uh, of university sports out east in, in Atlanta, Canada? Yeah, no. Every now and again, they would get a game on uh, on the local TV station, but uh, yeah, not a lot of coverage uh, of the teams back then. Uh, I actually uh, called more of the ex-women uh, games. Uh, they were a dominant force when I was uh, 
uh, at university, three different AUS titles. Uh, had a chance to go to three different CIS championships. Uh, didn't do so well at the at the CIS level, but they were a force in Atlantic Canada uh, while I was there. So uh, those were really the, the the fond memories of of getting on long playoff runs and, and calling a, a lot of the women's hockey games. And uh, that's sort of more where I got my start, and and really. Uh, they love the uh, the exposure. Our our radio station did broadcast online, so then uh, parents were able to actually listen to games, which was a, a big novelty back then because I'm really old. And uh, so that was something that uh, yeah didn't have an awful lot of exposure uh, for the athletics and really any of the other sports. But all of a sudden, the X women uh, their hockey team was going on these long playoff runs, going to AUS tournaments, and then uh, getting coverage at the CIS level. And, and this was I'd even go to the CIS uh, tournaments and, and be the only radio guy there. And uh, you know, San FX would usually finish uh, five, uh, fifth or sixth in a, in a six team CIS championship and. Uh, you'd have you know powerhouses like McGill and, and Alberta show up, and, and uh, again, I'd be the only radio guy. So uh, getting Saint effects some coverage was uh, kind of cool. And then uh, every year, the uh, student um, council would uh, give us some money uh, to help cover some of our expenses to go and, and, and cover the team. But then the, the third year, I remember, was the first year that the the final was going to get covered. Um, for the CIS Women's Hockey Championships, and it was being done by the the Score, the old TV network. Mm-hmm. And so they were questioning, well, if it's going to be on the Score, why are we sending you guys? And it's like, well, a, I, you know, I've been doing this for three years. It'd be a, I'd appreciate it if I could go. B, you know, I'm local to your team. Uh, I kind of know what their stories are all about. And C, they, you know, they're only covering the gold medal game, and you know, don't want to be, you know, jinx them or too far ahead of time. But the chances of us being in the gold medal game is probably not high. So I uh, did have an opportunity to go that third time. So, uh, you know, great stories, loved uh, the experience. Uh, again, at that time, it was strictly for fun. Never really thought this was going to turn into a career. I was getting a degree in something else, was going to move on and, you know, graduate university, and that would be the end of it. And, and uh, just turned out that uh, this is uh, what I ended up doing for a big chunk of my career. But uh uh, really at the time it was just you know what let's have fun you know you're calling men's and women's hockey games at St. FX just having a great time St. FX has this famous uh, um, game called Burmac uh, between two of the biggest residences on campus uh, Burke and McIsaac and uh, it made like a David Letterman top 10 list of like biggest parties in North America or something along those lines. Like, the whole weekend is just an absolute gong show. And then the, the hockey game itself, the two residences take it so seriously. Uh, there's always fights and all that good stuff. But uh, the, the compete level of, of those games is uh, not one I've ever really think I've seen matched before. The quality of hockey was horrendous, but the compete <laughs> level, um, these two teams hated each other. Uh, and uh, and so you know had to had a chance to call a couple of those too, and that, that was a lot of fun to look back on just how seriously these these two teams took this game, despite the fact that uh, I mean McIsaac I think had 150 guys in it, and then Burke had 90. So then you know you're trying to draw hockey players to make a hockey team out of uh, uh, a pretty small population of these two residences. So uh, it. Uh, it's a lot of fun to look back on, but uh, yeah, thinking about how bad some of the hockey was, uh, it was uh, it was fun to watch. 
and and there's some nights where uh, even uh, at a higher levels uh, the, the games could be bad but uh, the the rivalry and, and uh, work ethic can be uh, can be uh, a lot a lot more um, well let's move on to so you go to Saskatoon you want to get into broadcasting you go to Saskatoon and get your diploma where was your first job in uh, it, not just sports broadcasting but maybe just broadcasting in general after uh, after Saskatoon yeah, I ended up in Prince Albert. I uh, had a chance to uh, work with uh, with Drew Wilson uh, at uh, CKBI in Prince Albert. Uh, they had the rights to the Raiders, and uh, they were the big uh, powerhouse radio station there. I worked in the newsroom, uh, covered uh, uh, weekends, and and uh, was on the court beat a little bit, and and that sort of thing. And uh, you know, obviously, the goal was to get into uh, sports and, and get into hockey broadcasting. But uh, Drew Wilson did a, a great job with the Raiders back then. But he gave me the the keys to the Art Hauser Center uh, broadcast booth. And so I would go to the midget AAA games there. The Mintos uh, had quite the team there. I went from St. Effects. The women went to three straight uh, AUS uh, championships and won them, and then so three straight CIS championships. And I ended up in Prince Albert and sort of overlapped two hockey seasons. And uh, both years, the uh, the Mintos went to the Telus Cup. So I started getting used to thinking that this, you know, you always just work for teams that win all the time. And uh, and so I had a chance to to watch these Mintos games from the press box. And again, no one's around, so I would take uh, at the time it was a mini disc recorder up into the, the press box again just continue to work on play by play i would record the games into the uh, uh mini disc recorder and then at the end of the game i'd take it back to the radio station edit out the goals and the highlights and i'd leave them for drew who would come in in the morning a critique me but b if they were any good he'd use them on the sports in the morning so then the mintos ended up getting a little bit more coverage than what they were used to so uh that was awfully exciting and then obviously uh uh, some pretty good, uh, pretty good teams that the the Mintos had. Actually, Dustin Tokarski just made it back into the uh, uh, the NHL. I think I saw the other night that he was back up. So uh, you know he was uh, he was on the team back then. So um, I, again, had a chance to to work in the radio station in in Prince Albert and um, was there for just over a year, I believe. And and sort of like I said, overlapped two two different hockey seasons. And how well was that received of you essentially just kind of going on your own merit and, you know, you get to try and hone a craft and, uh, and work on it, but just in terms of doing that extra effort, going above and beyond for your radio station, maybe not necessarily getting uh, rewarded financially, but how well received was that, um, you know, at the time? Yeah, I, I think it was it was fairly well received. Uh, the the Mintos loved the extra coverage that they were getting. All of a sudden, they were hearing you know they weren't hearing their games on the radio, but they would hear a couple players' names and, and some you know descriptions of their goals on the radio the next morning, as opposed to just a score um, that would have maybe just been read in the morning of oh yeah, by the way, the Mintos won four two or whatever. Uh, now there's you know a little bit more depth to the story, and so they thought that was kind of cool, and then. Um, it was that those recordings that I ended up making my demo out of uh, that uh, ended up getting me the job in Bonneville. So uh, without having done that, uh, never would have, uh, you know, the job in Bonneville would have come open and I wouldn't have had anything to uh, to send to them. Uh, actually, you know, they when they were hiring at the time in Bonneville, they had no intention of actually covering the Junior A Pontiacs. They weren't going to have play-by-play on the radio station. Um, but I sent them the demo of me doing play-by-play and saying, well, you know, I... 
I'm only interested in coming if you guys are going to cover hockey. And, uh, you know, they got back to me a week later and sort of said that they'd reconsidered. And if the team was going to be open to it, then uh, uh, they would look at doing a game a week. Uh, and so in that first year in Bonneville, we did a game a week. Uh, ended up doing, I think, 25 games that first year. Uh, and uh, uh, it was received well. Sponsors were happy. Uh, and so, you know, obviously that's what it comes down to a lot of the times is the bottom line. And uh, since the radio station found it as a profitable way to make some money, uh, they uh, transitioned into a, a full, I think that next year was uh, still one of those years where they were doing 64 games in the AJHL. So that second year, I think, was 64 games. And, and we did them all on the, the radio station in Bonneville. And at that time, one of the one of the few teams in the league that uh, that were not only doing games uh, um, uh, of any kind, but uh, but doing them on terrestrial radio as well as online uh, uh, was uh, something that wasn't done by too many teams in the AJHL back then. So you're basically saying that they made a position for you because you were so good <laughs> at a job, it seems like. I mean, maybe talk about how good your demo tape was or what were some keys for that demo tape Um to wow a, a station, a program director? Because, yeah, it just sounds like they just literally, you're not going there unless you make me this job. Well, it might not. It might have just been that no one else wanted the job. <laughs> and, <laughs> well, come on, uh, Rob. We want to put each other on a pedestal here. Okay. All right. Yeah, sure. No, the, the demo was amazing. Yeah, no, it was that good. But uh, it, they, were, they were hiring me to be news director and uh, morning show co-host. And... Yeah, it was uh, really, I insisted during that first interview was, uh, hey, like, uh, you know, you guys have a junior A hockey team in town and it gets no coverage. You're a local radio station. You want to be local and connect to your community. Well, what better way than to cover the junior A hockey team and give them exceptional coverage? And uh, that's what I'm going to do. And, you know, Bonneville's a small town. Why? If all I'm going to do is is be the news director there, well, I'm already working in a four-person newsroom at a major market in Saskatchewan, where I'm covering a WHL team. Uh, not doing the play-by-play for it, but you know, I'm I'm helping Drew out with with some intermission interviews and that sort of thing. And so, you know, why would I make that transition? And and so, you know, maybe I would have lost that job and. and if someone else had applied or, or something along those lines. But uh, I think that uh, that was sort of uh, what swayed them to uh, uh, find a way to, to make it work for, for me. And, and uh, uh, the only way it was going to work for me was, was getting to cover Pontiac games. So um, that that's kind of how that uh, ended up transpiring. Yeah, it was a good week in between where it was like, well, I'm not moving to Bonneville. To, oh, okay, I guess I'm moving to Bonneville. So <laughs> that's kind of how that came about. So you mentioned the first year there was only uh, you know a handful of games. Were they both home and away, or just all home games? They were home and away. So it was kind of interesting. I remember a trip to uh, Grand Prairie where it was a back to back for the Pontiacs, and the one game was on the radio, and the other game wasn't. So one game I'm working, and another game I'm just sitting in press box eating press box food. Which shout out to the Grand Prairie Storm for having press box food, best stop in the league. Um, Once but upon a at time, at least at that. Yeah. At that time, at that time, uh, best stop in the league, and uh, so uh, yeah, it was it was kind of odd to to just do the game a week sort of thing, but uh, uh, they the station needed to feel comfortable to to dip their toe in the water of of doing this. It wasn't something that uh, they'd sort of ever taken on before, and uh, and so the, it was uh, uh, again something we had to try out. So it was it, it worked out though. Uh, you know, thirteen seasons later of of covering every game on the radio. Uh, we we made it work. 
Do you remember? Was that your first bus trip going to Grand Prairie? Do you, do you remember specifically your first road trip with the Pontiacs? First road trip with the Pontiacs. Oh boy. Uh, I recall being late for it, which did not impress uh, Coach Chad Mercier at the time. Um, I wasn't like wasn't really late. It was like you know, right on. You time. know how hockey? It was right on time. Yeah. And you know, hockey coaches, if you're on time, you're if you're not early, you're late. Yeah. And, and just because I was on time, uh, I was late. So got to hear about that a little bit on the bus, which was fun. Uh, but uh, uh, no, it would have been a. Oh, was it a game? Might have been a road trip down to Lloyd, and uh, perhaps my first experience with the fax machine in Lloydminster. Well, Might have been the first one. Tell us about the the fax machine in Lloydminster. Yeah, it's a, a long, uh, long heated rivalry that I had with the fax machine in Lloydminster. The was uh, that uh, uh, the phone line that I had to use to get the broadcast on the air that I used all game long was the Bobcats uh, fax line. And so then, or it was connected to the Bobcats fax line. And so then once the game was over, I'd be doing the post-game show and I'd get, you know, halfway through the three stars or whatever segment. And uh, uh, all of a sudden the phone line would cut out and they would just start making the fax machine noise because the Bobcats were trying to fax the league to game sheet. And so whatever, first few times, not a big deal. And then, you know, by the end of it, you know, years would go by and this would happen at every single game in Boyd Minster. And I'd, you know, be talking to the league, you know, hey, what can we do about Lloyd Minster? And, you know, obviously we had the rivalry, so maybe sometimes it was done intentionally, maybe, so, you know, lots of, like I would think Speculation, 98%, yeah. 98% of the time, I think that, you know, the guys working the game sheet, they're great, dedicated volunteers doing a good job, and they're used to every single game, just, you know, their routine, you go, go fax the game sheet off the league. And just kind of forget, oh, wait, it's Bonneville in town. That annoying Ralph Hunter guy's here. Maybe we should wait 10 minutes. And then I think one time the league got mad at them because they did wait and they didn't get it in in time. But then they were trying to use me as the excuse. And it was like, it was, yeah, the, the old Lloyd Minster fax machine uh, had, uh, had a pretty good rivalry with me. How just, you know, how nerve-wracking can it be um, going into a building uh, and in an away broadcast setting um, and I guess this is for anyone who, who does remote radio, just how frustrating can it be when you really uh, maybe might be pressed for time or you just, you've never been in this building before and just how annoying it could be to, uh, to find, uh, the telephone line, where to plug it in, this sort of thing. Like you really have to have your wits about you and almost do like a little, uh, you know, meditation while and, and, you know, breathing exercise going in because it can be really challenging for someone walking into an environment they've never been in before and having to plug everything in. Yeah, it's, and, and you're trying not to, you know, obviously you're coming into a building where you're dealing, you know, with the other organization and the most likely dealing with volunteers. Um, and so these folks are, are not paid a substantial amount of money and they're trying their best to do their job, and it, their job does not usually entail looking after the visiting play-by-play guy. And yet you're hassling them. Hey, where's this phone line? And hey, where am I setting up? And hey, could I have a table or a chair? Uh, you know, something. And uh, and all of a sudden, you're just an extra person that is putting more work on their plate uh, 
uh, and you're doing it for the other, the opposing team that night. And so it's, you, you really have to kind of do your best to massage the situation and, and to, you know, try to find, but yeah, it's, I mean, I remember a game in one of the early first times I went to St. Albert, I had called ahead and they were like, yeah, we'll get a table set up for you. It'll be good. And, and we'll, we'll run the, I'm like, I need a phone line. Uh, where can I, is, do you have a phone line in the building? They're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll run it out of our office. And I mean, I don't know if you've ever been to the, the rink that they played the games out of in, in St. Albert, but uh, uh, it's tr- really nice rink, traditional bowl uh, with the bar all the way around the top uh, that the, you know, spectators, most everyone would just lean on because everyone likes to stand to watch hockey games. And so they would lean on the this yellow bar to watch the hockey game. And, you know, some people would go sit in the bowl, but, you know, lots of people would just stand around the concourse area. And, well, when they set the table up, there's no one in the rink. And the table is way back against sort of the wall of the concourse. And then once the rink fills up, everyone stands along the uh, the rail, so you can't see a thing. And so I'm like, I can't, this isn't going to work, guys. Like, you know, again, you know, I, I, they had great intentions. They were lovely. I'm trying not to get upset with them. They're all good. But it's just, you know, the logistics of trying to set up a hockey game broadcast uh, in a junior A facility where they're not used to having uh, broadcasters come in, uh, especially back then, where, again, not too many uh, teams had um coverage on on radio or online and, and then even less had had traveling uh play-by-play guys a lot of them would have their home games covered in fact pretty early on the ajhl mandated that home games had to get covered and so a lot of teams had to had play-by-play guys for their uh for their home games but not so much uh, there wasn't too many uh, of us that would travel to games and so again you, you kind of you know, do your best to give them a heads up that you're coming. You work with Charlotte, the league, she tries to give them a heads up and, you know, trying to work on, on broadcast guidelines as to what it is that, that, uh, that, uh, you might need as a broadcaster. And, and from there you, you, you do your best, but yeah, there was more than a, f- a couple games where I end up with no phone line and I would, uh, um, my arm would fall asleep holding my uh, my cell phone to my ear as I just would call the game back into the station uh, holding my cell phone. I finally figured out I could use my headset to actually pin my cell phone against my ear <laughs> so that I could, you know, then then it was sort of the early version of hands-free on the, the old Motorola, Motorola Razor that I used to have. Uh, and, and so, yeah, a couple times ended up calling the game through my cell phone. And I don't think the radio station like those bills too much, but that's all right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and yeah, it's it's a weird sight to see someone do that <laughs> to call a hockey game uh, or do anything on their on their phone in terms of uh, in terms of radio. And it's funny for anyone we could paint a picture of the, the service arena in uh, St. Albert. St. Albert, Albert. I forget if it's called something else now, but forgive me. It almost seems it's like a rink that they stopped building because it's such a nice rink. However. Um, from what I was told was that they were building the rink with the intention of getting a Western Hockey League team. And when they found right. out that they weren't getting the Western Hockey League team, it seems like they stopped building upwards uh, because it is such a nice rink, but not very conducive to uh, to broadcasting, but it certainly probably wasn't uh, built in mind. Um, what was maybe, because, you know, anyone who covers uh, semi-pro or just amateur hockey uh, probably doesn't, you know, they they get to venues that uh, aren't the greatest uh, vantage points or don't have the best uh, broadcast booths. What would you say is was maybe the uh, I don't want to say worst because that's that's really mean. Um, 
the most difficult broadcast area um, that uh, that you had to broadcast the game from, and, and it's not just specific to uh, to junior A hockey in, in Bonneville or in the Alberta Junior League, but uh, can you re- recall maybe the the most um, you know difficult broadcast area? I only had to do it once in Brooks, um, and it was at the uh, the old. Uh, the old arena in Brooks before they built that fancy brand new one that they have. But uh, uh, their play-by-play guy was up in this sort of rickety kind of looking wooden um, press box area. And uh, as the road guy coming in, they're like, oh, we're road broadcaster. We haven't had to deal with this too often. Uh, okay, we'll set you up here. And it was underneath the uh, broadcast location and so you're basically calling the game from it was basically right behind the penalty box like on the same level as the ice uh the penalty box was right in front of you so if there's penalties guys would be standing there and you you know difficult time seeing but also at that level the game is so incredibly fast that's why play-by-play broadcasters like being up high because up up high the game is really slow and, and it's uh, easier to see easier to call but uh yeah having to call a game at ice level uh was was uh, an interesting challenge uh back then and then yeah it was every other opportunity i had to go to, to brooks they'd uh, um, were able to you know set up something uh, up higher in the stands and, and were great to work with and and, uh, but it was just that, uh, that very, very first time uh, where I ended up uh, you know, down at ice level. And, yeah, I, I wouldn't recommend trying to call a game at ice level. <laughs> or, or at field level or any, uh, any sort of ground zero for any sporting event, uh, that's for sure. I, I've got to tell you this other one about a facility. So the, the rink that the St. FX X women played out of was on campus at St. FX. The rink the men played out of was off campus, and the off campus one was nicer. It was bigger. There was fans. The on campus ice rink was literally a hundred years old. It was you know like plywood boards almost. You know chicken wire netting around as opposed to glass. They uh, didn't have a Zamboni. They had the old barrels that they would fill with the hot water and like push it around the rink. So this was where the St. FX X women played when I was going to school there and calling their games. There was a phone line in the rink. It was at one end. So I had to call the game from the end, but that's fine. You know, a lot of junior A teams, you end up with that. It's not the best, but you know what? It's, it's not that bad. You'll survive. Uh, but it being the campus radio station, and again, no commercials and anything like that. Uh, it was you. You didn't have an op, so I would basically op my own games without any. And you know, now you can do that sort of with computer technology and that sort of thing. And you're playing radios. You're playing the commercials from from the rink and all that. But back then, it was I would go to the radio station, which was also on campus. I would phone or I go to the rink, set up all my gear. I'd go to the radio station, phone the rink, and I would then sprint from the radio station to the rink across campus and try to get there in time so that I would be able to answer the phone before it would stop ringing so that then I could, I would then automatically be connected back to the radio station. I'd also at the same time start a song at the radio station that was long enough so that I could get there and try and answer the phone and catch my breath by the time that song ended and I'd then be able to just go right on air so that I could then broadcast the game without having an off back at the station. 
And then I'd talk for two and a half hours while the game was on, no commercial breaks. And then I would apologize to people that they were going to hear three and a half minutes of uh, silence as I, cause I couldn't figure out a way to get music played. Uh, but I would just then basically say, okay, you're going to hear nothing for four minutes. So I apologize about this. And I would sprint back to the radio station, hang up the phone and hit play on whatever the, on the 60 disc rotating CD player that the radio station had when they were just playing random music. So yeah, that, offing my own games and sprinting across campus. And, and uh, I was, I've never been in good shape. So that was, that was interesting. <laughs> I think every college, uh, student that has to call hockey games almost has to deal with that uh, that issue because that's certainly what I had to do at uh, at the Northern Alberta Institute of Technology <laughs> and Oh nice okay so not you're alone. not Rob you're not alone you're not alone okay, um, okay. I, in good, some good. some sort of fashion that's what I had to do I, I do remember having to uh, sprint to well not so much sprint but at least walk from one end of the campus uh, uh, to the other uh, so the Bonneville Pontiacs, they play in the Alberta Junior Hockey League, Junior A. It's where uh, NCAA colleges recruit out of, as well as uh, Canadian colleges. Um, just talk about, uh, you know, over the years, uh, you know, you're a full-time play-by-play guy. Uh, what was it like adjusting to life in a small town and, and really being a part of uh, the community? Uh, did you meet your wife in Bonneville? Yeah, it's... Uh... Uh, and you had asked me about my wife, so I will yeah. say, actually, we met at WABC in Saskatoon. We were in the same broadcasting uh, class, cohort, and uh, we both ended up uh, in Prince Albert and were dating while that was happening. And then she took a job in St. Paul, Alberta, which is about 40 minutes from Bonneville. And I had stayed in, in, uh, in Prince Albert, and then, yeah, when the Bonneville job came open, um, you know, she was certainly pushing for me to go, and I was sort of saying, "Well, they're not interested in broadcasting hockey games, and so marriage know, or hockey we'll, broadcasting, we'll see." <laughs> uh, and then, yeah, I ended up in in Bonneville, and uh, you know, we uh, continued uh, dating for a while, and then ended up proposing to her at a Bonneville Pontiacs game uh, during uh, uh, an intermission. Launched someone else's radio career because of that, actually. And who was that? There was a there was a high school kid named Bobby May who was my op, and uh, I knew that I was going to propose to my wife at a game in about three weeks because it was uh, uh, packed the rink night. The Lloydminster Bobcats were going to be in town, and, and there was going to be, you know, it, the Pontiacs were doing this big pack the rink night promotion, and I'm like, I, I proposed to my wife at Center Ice uh, of uh, uh, that game during one of the intermissions, but I needed to fill more airtime so I could, you know, you know, normally I was doing commercial break, uh, out of town scoreboard, commercial break, and then whatever interview I got in the can. And so then I, I'm like, okay, well, I'll record an extra long interview. But if I get somebody else to do the out of town scoreboard, I could bail basically as soon as the period is over to get down to Center X. And so I started having my op do the out of town scoreboard. And my op, Bobby May at the time, uh, was like, yeah, sure, I'll try. Never thought about being on air, but yeah, okay, sure. Uh, this was just a part-time job for me while I was going to school. I just appreciated the money. But you want me to go on air? I'm like, yeah, sure, you'll be fine. He was awful. It was really bad. And even my girlfriend, soon-to-be fiancé, eventually wife, was saying, why do you have this guy on the air? He is so bad. 
I'm like, no, he's fine. He's going to get better. He's going to, you know, he just needs practice. It's okay. He'll be all right. And, uh, uh, but yeah, I was literally just put him on air because I needed that extra couple minutes to try and get down to, uh, uh, center ice and he really did get a lot better and he kept doing it for the rest of the season and then he was around the following year and uh, I even had one of his teachers emailed me once and said hey you know really appreciate that you're working with Bobby but he's not paying too much attention in class he seems really dedicated to this radio thing though maybe you could talk to him about being wetter in class he's kind of a clown blah 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 and I'm like yeah not really my job but okay I'll yeah. I'll see what I no you know tell the guy he's doing great at radio and uh, yeah he ended up uh, uh, he's a morning show guy now and I think he's in Calgary last I saw he was in Red Deer for the longest time and uh, I'm pretty sure he's working morning radio in Calgary now. So uh, good for him. And, uh, uh, yeah, because I had to propose to my wife at a hockey game, I, I launched a radio career. So uh, pretty proud of that one. <laughs> well, you were a leader in the community and uh, a role model. And, and, and as I had mentioned, too, uh, before, what was it like being a part of that, that small town and that community uh, as essentially you're kind of like a, a face of the city because you're traveling around the province with the hockey team? Yeah, great community, tremendous volunteers. Uh, love being a part of uh, of the community. It is, it's, uh, I mean, you're a long way from Edmonton. You know, making trips down to Lloydminster isn't really a big thing, and so you're really in the community for for your weekends and, and quite a bit. And um, you know, when I first got there, I you know was overly confident and thought I'd be moving on to the next level after a little while, and um, and ended up being there for what 13 14 years and and uh yeah i'm really happy to have been there and really happy that that was a part of my uh really no better place to be a junior a play-by-play guy you get treated tremendously well throughout the community the organization is great to work with and then just a chance to you know really start with a radio station that wasn't doing anything uh with the junior a hockey team to build that relationship and really help the radio station become sort of a focal point of the community through their involvement with the hockey team uh, and to build a, a project uh, out of really nothing uh, was really something to, to that I look back on fondly. It's, it was great to be able to, to build something like that. And you talk about uh, building uh, and your role expanded specifically with the hockey team you had a chance to dive into some of the business sides um how did that come about uh you know someone might have thought just oh he's just a radio guy or play-by-play guy really can he uh what more can he do for us but how did it come about where um you had a bit of an expanded role uh with the hockey team yeah so it was uh, more so to do with the the hockey canada experience that i had uh, were was asked to, to broadcast a, a bunch of games for hockey Canada when they started expanding their hockey TV coverage. And so I would travel to a number of communities across Canada, uh, covering, you know, an SO cup, a TELUS cup, you name it, every single event that hockey Canada uh, does, I've had a chance to broadcast. Um, and, and they put events all over this country. And so from, East to West, I've had a chance to broadcast hockey games uh, through my work with Hockey Canada. And every time I'd go to a community and, and you'd you know be immersed in it for a week to 10 days, 
and you'd love it. It would be great. You're seeing a new part of the community. Why else would I have ever been in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario, um, or, you know, whatever, uh, Victoriaville, Quebec. I mean, you know, you might go to Quebec City. I might go to Montreal. But here I am in Victoriaville calling hockey games. And you, you, you're seeing a different, beautiful part of the country and, and really enjoying it. But every time you go, you'd always, I'd always come back to Bonneville and think, you know what? Bonneville would make a tremendous host for one of these events. And I'd bug people like, hey, we should bid on something. We should try and get something here and, and sort of, you know, I, I, the answer I get back was, well, if you want to bid on it, why don't you do it? And eventually I'm like, okay, sure, I will. And uh, uh, worked awfully hard with uh, Amanda Green, uh, who worked for the Centennial Center in Bonneville, and put together our bid package for the 2016 World Junior A Challenge. And uh, we ended up being awarded that event. And, and the tremendous sponsors in Bonneville, the tremendous volunteers in Bonneville, just pulled off an absolutely amazing event. Uh, and and just being a part of that was was fantastic. But uh, that was really where I you know opened my eyes to more of the business side of hockey. And uh, you know that was you know play by play has always been a passion, will likely always be a passion. But uh, before that, it was the only passion. And then having a chance to to put that bid package together, uh, be co chair of the host organizing committee, you know go right through the tournament, the lead up to it, all of that, the building it, and then, you know, the, the post-event wrap-ups that you have to do and finish. Uh, really going through that whole process opened my eyes to the business side of the sport, and, and uh, yeah, that became uh, the new passion, if you will. And Yeah, just followed it from there. I ended up uh, finding out uh, there's an MBA program at Athabasca University through the Business of Hockey Institute that uh, – is a hockey-specific executive MBA, and uh, ended up taking that. Uh, I actually just graduated, you know, earlier this year or last year, I guess. Now it's twenty twenty-one now, isn't it? So yeah, in twenty twenty, spent some of my time in the pandemic finishing off the last of that, and uh, um, got my MBA. And, and now, yeah, just uh, thrilled to be on the on the business side of things in Nanaimo, but had the chance there in, in Bonneville when uh, they were looking for somebody and I was uh, really just uh, in the midst of, of starting my MBA or more in the middle of it, uh, being available for the role and uh, jumped at it. And, and uh, uh, again, you know, it was great to, to build something there and, and uh, we had some financially successful seasons and uh, just being able to, to uh, go in the right direction uh, was, it was an awful lot of fun. And, and yeah, certainly now that's, that's the career now. And, and that's uh, what I'm focused on uh, these days here in Nanaimo as well. You know, it's pretty amazing how, uh, you know, I was always told by, by many people, and I think this is just a, a tried and true statement. Um, and it's not maybe specific to, to broadcasting or hockey in general, but you know, you hear the adage of just getting your foot in the door that sort of thing. But if, if something interests you in a certain area, um, and, and we'll use the game of hockey, for example, if you're doing play-by-play and, uh, and uh, another position in the game of hockey for your team opens up or that sort of thing, that, you know, there's, there's nothing wrong with um, you know, not thinking you couldn't get the job because you don't have that education. It's, it's almost like as long as you can show interest and the willingness to put in the work, um, you can get those jobs that you might think, you know, require, uh, you know, a bachelor's degree or that sort of thing. Um, and it, it really is just about expressing interest and in, in putting in the work, isn't it, Rob? 
Yeah, and certainly you can't underestimate the the power of connections as well. And so, uh, you know, dealing with everybody, uh, you know, hockey world's an awfully small world, and so uh, dealing with people professionally and, and uh, is a big thing because you never know when someone's going to put your name forward uh, for a job. Like I said, hockey's pretty small, so if there's a job that's open, whoever's hiring for that position is probably going to ask around a little bit, and if someone at the right time puts your name forward uh then you know you've got a better shot at getting that job and so yeah the connections are are also important uh uh you know i i think i can trace most of my career back to just people who happen to suggest me at, at a certain period of time and uh you know that's how the, the job in bonneville started as uh, someone recommended me i you know said how i got connected with hockey canada and, and was able to live out that dream uh, calling you, you know, international hockey for for all those years was just at the right time, you know. Uh, just as Hockey Canada was launching their hockey TV broadcast, it, it just so happened to be that uh, the SO Cup uh, was in uh, Saint Albert of all places at, at the Service Credit Union Center, uh, and they needed a play-by-play guy, so they went to the Alberta Junior Hockey League because the RBC Cup was in Camrose that year, and so they needed somebody for for the cameras broadcast, but the St. Albert SO cup was uh, two weeks earlier. And so they had asked the AJHL who they wanted in cameras. And they said, well, let's see if the same guy is available for the SO cup. So I ended up doing both of those events because I believe it was Craig Cripps, who was uh, president of the AJHL back then, uh, who had recommended me. So again, uh, connections and, and to working your contacts are, are a big key in, in moving forward. Well, let's dive into uh, the work with Hockey Canada. Um, you know, you just mentioned, uh, you know, names and recommendations, and uh, I'm fairly certain it was you that uh, recommended me for some Hockey Canada events, so uh, thank you uh, thank you again for that, if that was the case. But uh, what was your first Hockey Canada event that you that you got to do, and you remember getting that call? Yeah, it was it was those two in, in Camrose and in St. Albert were the first uh, two, and it was sort of a... Uh, the cameras was hosting RBC hockey Canada was launching their hockey TV coverage. They needed somebody. Uh, and so it was asked basically for that. And I think on the same phone call, he said, Oh, by the way, SO cup is two weeks before in St. Albert. So why don't you do that one first and then do the one in cameras. And, uh, I think it was Craig Cripps who got me involved in, uh, in that as, as part of the recommendation. So, you know, thanks to him for that. And then, um, it was Jeff Beck who, uh, with Hockey Canada who was working the SO Cup at the time in St. Albert. Uh, we seemed to get along really well, and, uh, you know, the SO Cup loved the coverage. They thought it was fantastic uh, that uh, Hockey Canada was putting these games on a webcast with video and audio, and so they, they this was impressive. And then it was uh, Kevin Webster with Hockey Canada who was working the uh, RBC Cup in cameras. And uh, having the chance to work with him, I believe it was Kevin who then uh, sort of reported back to Hockey Canada that uh, Rob's a decent guy to work with, uh, doesn't cause too many problems. And uh, uh, that sort of went from there that, uh, okay, well, you know, if we're going to start doing this elsewhere across the country, uh, how are we going to find local people? And at the time, they had money in the budget. And, and they said, well, let's not worry about local people. Rob seems to be doing a pretty good job, so let's just fly him out and uh, at the time, it was uh, yeah, it was it was pretty neat to to be able to work with a lot of guys in the Alberta Junior Hockey League because 
Uh, everyone's schedules are a little bit different. It's kind of tough to just all of a sudden take a, a week off from your full-time job, whatever you're doing, and, and heading off to Summerside, Prince Edward Island for an RBC Cup or, or Vernon or, uh, you know, Humboldt, Saskatchewan. And so, you know, while I had the flexibility in my schedule and, and the ability to go cover these, a lot of times a uh, color commentator or a video guy uh, wasn't uh, able to do that. And, and again, you know, people would come to me and they'd come and ask me who who would be available. And I'd kind of go through my group of contacts as to, hey, can you come? Hey, what's your thoughts here? And, and yeah, you know, I, I specifically said don't hire Taylor Medic, but they didn't listen <laughs> to me on that one. Your phone must have um, cut out at the don't. Exactly, exactly. They just heard your name and they called you. And uh, so, you know, having a chance to, to work with some Alberta Junior Hockey League guys um, uh, that that I had traveled with and seen on the road and, and developed relationships with uh, to, to be able to help uh, them get some work in with Hockey Canada was uh, a pretty cool uh, thing to be able to do. Is Was Summerside PEI, Prince Edward Island, Atlanta, Canada, was that the furthest you had to travel for a Hockey Canada event? Yeah, that would have been it. Yeah, uh, for sure. I didn't get to the one that was uh, there was a St. John's New Brunswick or St. John Newfoundland uh, Telus Cup, I want to say, but I was working the SO Cup and they overlapped, and I was in Saskatchewan for that one. So, yeah, the the RBC Cup Brooks Bandits won it that year. It would have been twenty thirteen, I believe, in in uh, Summerside, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, so that was. Uh, that was a fun tournament to uh, uh, to call, and Summerside m- might possibly. I mean, I, every place you go to in Canada is beautiful, but uh, yeah, that place is gorgeous, and uh, I'd go back in a in a heartbeat. Uh, so that would uh, that was uh, one of the more fun RBC Cups to go to. Did Did you call the game where they tied it with a second left? It was a, was it a semifinal game that they tied, like it, literally with no time on the clock left. Yeah, exactly. And then, yeah, went, and then ultimately was, went on. Right, uh, they did. They, uh, they it looked like uh, they weren't going to be able to tie it up. Uh, the Minnesota Wilderness were going to be the first American team to compete in a RBC Cup final, and uh, yeah, Brooks tied it up late. Uh, Taylor Macon had been ejected from that game, and there was a big uh, uh, ruling about whether or not he would get to play in the final. But uh, he, he'd been tossed, arguing the ref because he took a late penalty and. Uh, he, uh, uh, you know, at that time looked like Brooks wasn't going to be able to advance and sort of, you know, the emotions of the final game of the season uh, as it was what it was looking like, uh, you know, uh, those, those things happen. And, and now interesting to see Taylor's back in, back in Brooks as a coach now. So that's kind of cool. And then, uh, but uh, yeah, Brooks uh, came back, tied it late and uh, went on to win it uh, against Summerside, the hosts in the, in the final. Do you have a specific way how you maybe control your emotions in in a call like that? If someone's, you know, you obviously don't want to blow the mic uh, off your uh, off your uh, headset or anything like that. But uh, it's probably difficult to contain the excitement. But how do you find that balance of uh, being able to call an exciting moment and have a, a bit of a crescendo to your voice without uh, just completely going uh, awol like we hear uh, sometimes a broadcaster do? <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I that's a good question i mean i i don't the only thing i consciously try and do is just sort of you know when you especially when you're calling a home home game uh for your hometown team is sort of trying to let the crowd 
and and take it over you know a big moment and and sort of that silence factor of you know scores and then try and you know cut your color guy's mic because he'll probably try and talk over you and then uh, let the crowd kind of take it for a second and or, or you know a, a few beats and, and so there's that uh, i remember my uh, one of the first times where i realized you you know you're, you're calling these games they're on line you hear from parents a lot and mm-hmm. that's kind of nice it's almost your and best you feedback hearing from parents <laughs> exactly but then you know I, I i finally you know when you start hearing from strangers who aren't parents and they're fans or whatever that's where you're like oh wow there's like this is like really a thing like there's really people that are and so i was calling the uh world under 17 hockey challenge uh from victoriaville and Team USA was playing Team Ontario in a early tournament round-robin game, uh, so early in the tournament. And this was uh, the very first game that was ever played between uh, Connor McDavid and Jack Eichel. Eichel was on the American team. Connor was on Team Ontario. And this is probably, like, I told you Burmack was the most intense games I've ever seen and with mm-hmm. compete level and that sort of thing. Like this is probably the best hockey game I've ever seen. Um, intensity, skill, unbelievable. This game uh, ended up being six, five for the U S uh, you know, it was just unbelievable. It had and own. yeah, it did. And, and Twitter was just becoming a thing. And uh, some, a reporter out of the States uh, just tweeted, you know, Rob Hunter's calling this game like it's a horse race. And I'm like, I don't think he was actually trying to be nice. <laughs> he was trying to, you know, hey, man, like, calm down here. Uh, but I'm like, dude, this game is a horse race. Like, and so, yeah, it is the, the excitement bits. of it, it. Like, yeah, it was. And yeah, at the. You know, I've I've watched it back a few times, and I'm like, holy, maybe I should take a breath every now and again here. But <laughs> you know, Team Ontario had, uh, you know, Sean Bennett was on it, and Josh Hosang, and Aaron Eckblad, Connor McDavid, uh, the, the Sunny Milano was playing for Team USA. You know, it was it was just you know the two lineups were just stacked. Michael Del Cole was on Team Ontario. Like it, it was, yeah, two really good teams going at one another. And uh, like I say, probably one of the best games I've ever seen. But uh, you know, maybe 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 need to work in a breath every now and again. I guess. Did you ever? Did you ever have to kind of change your your call a bit if whether it's a, a Bonneville Pontiac game or it's a, a Hockey Canada event where you probably have to be. A, you know, maybe a little more neutral versus, uh, say, uh, you know, Friday night Bonneville versus Lloyd Minster. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I, I'm I'm a big believer in that. You know, if I'm calling a game for the Bonneville Pontiacs on a Bonneville radio station, then I'm full heartedly going to be cheering for Bonneville. I I have no qualms about being called a homer or anything of the. You know, I I try and call it. Um, you know. I, as I see it, uh, you know, if it's a bad call against Bonneville, I'll say it's a bad call against Bonneville. If it's a good call against Bonneville, I'll try and say it is a good call against Bonneville. But, you know, if the Pontiac score a goal, uh, you know, I'll get excited and lose my mind. Um, you know, but if you're calling a game for Hockey Canada, 
lot, I mean, a lot of times, you know, you're, you're at an RBC cup and certainly the Pontiacs haven't been to an RBC cup yet. So, um, I didn't have to try and quell those emotions, but you know, I'm <laughs> would there. Would have been a good problem to have though. Would have been a great problem to have, but never, I was never forced to, to face that problem. But yeah, you're, you know, you're calling a game between the humble Humboldt Broncos and the Woodstock Slammers and you're, you know, you see some message boards afterwards of, you know, fans in Woodstock or fans from Humboldt that are like, oh, this broadcast is such a homer. And it's like, no, man, like, really? Could care less. <laughs> you know, like, you know, I, it's good hockey and you're, you're enjoying it and you're, you're, you're having a great time broadcasting it. But, uh, yeah, at the end of the day, I'm not, uh, I'm not cheering for any particular team. So, uh, you, 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 you just do your best as a professional, as a, as a broadcaster and, uh, try and convey the excitement of the game. But at the same time, you know, I don't have a rooting interest at the end of the day. How did you prepare for those events in terms of just knowing about the teams? I guess, you know, we'll get away from maybe international hockey, but just a hockey Canada event where, uh, maybe information isn't, uh, at, uh, at the ready, uh, like it may be for the junior A teams that you, uh, cover in Alberta. Uh, and having to maybe remember names on such a short time span um, and never having seen any of the teams play versus, uh, you know, you can you kind of get the feel uh, basically after a game. I always used to think uh, about remembering uh, players' names on a specific team uh, in your own league. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and it's just a, Jason LaRose with Hockey Canada is their the media content services guy and, and does a fantastic job and worked on a lot of the tournaments that I was working on as well. And, and he was fantastic about uh, uh, digging up all the information that he could and they passed that along. And yeah, just uh, studying and, and finding storylines and, you know, trying to talk to coaches and trainers from teams and and you know you're getting name pronunciations and that sort of thing as well but uh you're you're figuring that out uh i use you know a lot of guys will go with the numerical chart you know two through 35 or whatever numbers the team has i can't i can't do it it messes my head up i'll be looking at the wrong spot for one i have to do out line charts and so you know i get line combinations uh beforehand from uh, from coaches and and uh, so that I can put them out and then you don't just know okay if it's this guy's on the ice and they dump it down the right wing and you know who who's supposed to be there typically you can say the guy's name and actually get it right because that's who's supposed to be there every now and again you'll kind of usually make a mistake but that's the joy of radio uh, no one has to know that you made a mistake you just kind of casually change the guy's name uh, and uh, but you know once you're on hockey TV or, or uh, any of the video stuff, you got to be a little bit more careful, but then you can slow down your call a little bit. You don't have to be so on top of it. And uh, so, yeah, I, I would would use the line charts and, and try and get as much information down there as I could and, and kind of go from there. How key was it, you know, you, you quickly mentioned about because the game was on, uh, you know, simulcast both audio and video. And, you know, how long did it take for you to realize that uh, the video can actually, because you're on a video feed, it can actually help you out a bit. You don't have to talk as much uh, as you would on radio. That was a challenge for me. Yeah, it's uh, it's sort of, it's it's two different, completely different ways to call a hockey game. And, you know, I, I worked with a, a great engineer in, in James Murray. And a lot of the times these Hockey Canada broadcasts, you'd be sort of in, in close, tight quarters. And, you know, the first few, uh, tournaments we worked together, he'd constantly sort of be 
you know, punching me from behind and, and pointing at the, the monitor to make sure that I was looking at the monitor so that if I was talking about a certain player or whatever, he would ISO the guy with, uh, you know, get the cameraman to ISO the guy and, and or if he had someone else. And I was off on a tangent talking about some other player and I'd point at the monitor and get me back on track. Oh, wait, this guy's on the screen. I should maybe be talking about him. And so, yeah, working with him was, uh, was a big learning curve in, in, in a positive way of, you know, how you can refine your call uh, from, from taking it to so many years, just being on the radio to, uh, to then all uh, having to work with the pictures as well. Uh, it's, uh, it's two completely different ways to, to do it. And I think there was a bit of a learning curve for me at the start, but, uh, like to think that I got a little better at it. Uh, how fun was it too with uh, you know with Hockey Canada events that were on uh, what the the platform was called or is called Hockey TV? They do a fantastic job. Company out of uh, of Boston, Massachusetts. Um, that uh, the the intermission interviews um, with it could be with any uh, Hockey Canada personnel or someone at the rink um, that was notable. But how much of a challenge and and maybe to uh, a fun degree of a challenge it was to find out hey you, you know you're talking with uh, scott salmon of hockey canada uh, in five minutes uh, and you have to come up with some questions to do so uh talk about that uh, that challenge i guess or just doing those and maybe how fun it was to to put your mind uh, to the test yeah no those were those were always good uh and and you'd uh, you'd come up with some like you say you'd, you'd find out last minute hey uh Grant Fewer is in the building, and he's going to come over and talk to you. I'm like, oh, cool. All right. Uh, this will be neat. I'll, you know, come up with some quick questions for Grant Fewer. And, and um, but it, again, at the end of the, you know, like, you know, you get, you know, famous people like that. But then the fun ones are the tournament organizers who, you know, you, you're going to talk to the co-chair of the 2014 SO Cup, and they they've been working on this tournament for a year. They're doing it for the absolute love of the sport. You know, maybe their daughter's playing on the team. You know, they're just, just pumped to, to be putting this tournament on and to be able to talk about their community and the hours that have gone into working with it. So those are the interviews that I really liked. And they're just so thrilled you were there. And, and so that was, you know, they're happy to come talk to you. Is there anything you need? And, and all that good stuff. And uh, just, you know, the, the, the fine people all across Canada that you, you get to meet while you're, you're traveling with these events. And, and yeah, you, you, you get thrown last minute, hey, so-and-so is coming to uh, up in the intermission. And it's usually just a note handed to you as you're calling the game. And you look down and you're like, oh, cool. All right. Sounds good. Uh, looking forward to it. Let's go back to the World Junior A Challenge. That was, it was 2016. It was in uh, the first one in Bonneville that you, you put together. Um, and then was it, did it come back the very next year or how did it get back to Bonneville so quick uh, if it wasn't the very next year? I, I quite can't remember. Yeah, no, it wasn't the very next year. Uh, but after the success of the 2016 event, we... Everyone, you know, was riding a wave of emotion in Bonneville and, and just the, the thrill of having pulled off such a successful event It immediately turned to what can we do next? We want to do this again. That was thrilling. That was fun. You know, we showed the world that we could host and, and we did a great job and all the feedback from, from the teams and, and hockey federations was tremendously positive. So it was, it was great. And so uh, obviously then we thought the next step was to bid for an RBC Cup. 
And so we put together an RBC Cup bid package and um, presented uh, to Hockey Canada, uh, got shortlisted, got uh, invited down to their offices in Calgary to make our final presentation. And uh, uh, it was at the Bonneville Pontiac's annual alumni golf tournament. I was on, can't remember what hole I was on, but I was on the back nine. Uh, got the phone call from, from Hockey Canada uh, and the CJHL letting us know that uh, we did not, uh, uh, we, we weren't successful in our RBC Cup bid. It ended up going to Brooks in uh, that year. And so then, you know, devastated phone call. And then I was on the same call. They sort of said, by the way, though, would you be interested in hosting another World Junior A Challenge? And like, no, hadn't thought about that possibility, but uh, uh, let me uh, let me think about that one for a little bit and uh, we'll get back to you. But yeah, then it was the 2018 uh, World Junior A Challenge. So there was uh, uh, the two. It was a little too bad, though. There was uh, the 2016 one in Bonneville and then the 2017 uh, featured two Bonneville Pontiacs in, in Bobby McMahon and Brinson Pashnick, and I was out in Coburg, Ontario. And... Uh, and then 2018 was back in Bonneville, so the two local kids had just missed out on on being able to compete in their the hometown uh, World Junior A Challenge. But that's all right. 2018 was uh, again another very successful uh, World Junior A Challenge, and it took a lot from what you learned in the first one, and were able to apply it to the second one. And uh, by then, it was uh, it, it felt a lot easier, I would say. So in the Alberta Junior Hockey League, you get to go to a lot of the same venues um, and and see a lot of the same teams. Uh, just what for you? What was it like going around to these communities um, frequently? Uh, and I'm sure people would recognize you as well. Uh, just touch on the engagement uh, as a play-by-play man um, and going on the road. And the engagement with fans and and other teams and 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 hockey uh, hockey ops personnel, um, you know what what's that experience like being able to um, to go around and, and see many familiar faces throughout the year? Yeah, I, I, it was one of my favorite parts of the job. I mean, whether you're you know three times a year into Sherwood Park and you get a chance to interview Taylor Medic for an intermission, and, and you know Taylor's going to be there, so then it's an easy you you, you know. All of a sudden, okay, I've got my first intermission filled. Like, you know, I'll just talk to Taylor. No big deal. Like, you know, that's, it's, it takes a, you know, a little bit of a weight off as to what you're going to fill with or who you're going to run into at the rink or who you're going to be able to find if you don't have something pre recorded. Um, if who you're scrambling to find in the crowd uh, before the game to, to come fill in their mission with you. So, you know, get to chat with you or, or go to, you know, Grand Prairie and you're visiting with Jeff Henson. You're jumping the gate that you're not supposed to jump for no apparent reason. You know, you're getting food in the, in the broadcast booth. Uh, absolutely awesome. And, uh, and you're, you know, just living the dream up in Grand Prairie. You're always there for, for more than one usually. So then you're staying in a hotel or the hotel and GPs right across the street. And, and so it's, you know, the simplest thing that ever. And like, just, I mean, I don't know why it's the small things in life that are just really exciting, but because you're always playing two and in Grand Prairie, you set your gear up for the first game. And then because they lock the doors and everything up in the press box, you just leave your gear after the games. Like it's a one game where you don't have to tear everything back down again and carry this heavy stuff back to the hotel. You just leave it up there. So you finish the first game and it's just like, you know what? Yeah. 
post-game show's done, let's, let's just wander back to the hotel. You throw your jacket on, boom, you're out the door. Leave the gear there. It's, it's a great feeling. I don't know. I always always enjoyed that and, and just getting a chance to to see the the people that you would, you know, every now and again just, you know, you get down to the South Division once a year and you get to, you know, hang out and see what uh, what Tim Ellis has been up to. And, you know, our, our intermission interviews were, were primarily us chirping each other about our fantasy baseball teams because we're in the same fantasy baseball pool. So, you know, they might not have been great radio content for the at-home listener, but we had a good time putting them on. So uh, at the end of the day, it was uh, it was a whole lot of fun and, and uh, uh, happy to be able to reconnect with guys like you and, and, and do things like this and, and uh, once again just sort of, you know, connect with the with uh, people that you know from across the league and across Canada as you get a chance to, uh, you know, meet folks. And, you know, one of the engineers that I work with uh, with Hockey Canada is now a realtor out in PEI. So I, I mentioned how beautiful Summerside is. I follow him on Instagram and I'm constantly seeing, seeing all these pictures of homes that he's selling and thinking, well, one day maybe. <laughs> maybe I'll buy a house from this guy. So we'll see. And you got to talk to uh, you know a lot of players that have come through the league uh, th- throughout the years that uh, have gone on to uh, higher levels of hockey, and you got to talk to lots of great coaches. Uh, what are some tips maybe for someone who can is a little intimidated talking to uh, an opposing uh, coach or opposing player that uh, you know th- they don't know really well, so they have a little uh, trouble breaking the ice. What are some keys when you're interviewing maybe uh, an intimidating figure, uh, albeit even so it can happen in, in junior A hockey? Yeah, I think if you try and build a rapport before the microphone goes on, and that'll hopefully ease the tension a little bit. Uh, you know, coaches that... I think most coaches before a game are, are, you know, have that kind of time about 90 minutes before puck drop where, you know, the game plan is set. They haven't done their, either they've done their coach talk already or they're about to go in, you know, in a while, but they've got some time. Uh, And so, you know, if you can ask them some social questions before you you turn the mic on, I I find it, you know, helps ease the situation. Every now and again, you'll get someone saying, let's get this over with, let's go. Um, but uh, having questions prepared obviously helps I, you know i and then actually listening to what they have to say to their answer as opposed to just looking down at your notes wondering what your next question is going to be i find that's where most of the good questions can be uh, is is more just responding to what it is that they're saying uh, and, and asking follow-ups to that as opposed to just trying to get through your list of questions that you came up with on the bus uh, an hour before or or whenever you, you have the time to put your, your thought, thoughts together on paper to come up with your list of questions you're going to ask the coach so that you don't just rattle off your five questions without having really heard what he said. Uh, you know, that's, uh, that's kind of um, would be my strategy, I guess. Did you ever have a, a coach um, leave midway through an interview or decline an interview? No, never, never did. You know, Why do you think that was? What were you doing right then? I'm not sure. I don't know. I, uh, I never had that problem. So, I mean, I, you had some that were like, come on, let's go. Let's get this over with, mm-hmm. you know, or, you know, you, you get the, you do the old knock on the door, and, you know, the, the gruff come in and you open it and then they see it's you and they kind of roll their eyes. You know, you get that every now and again, but, uh, you know, at the end, I, I think, you know, but if, there was a lot of stability in coaching in my, you know, tenure in the North Division of the Alberta Junior League, and so, you know, for the first little while, it was, 
you know, you had to build that relationship and that trust with, with coach where, you know, you, you know what you're talking about and, and they, they, you know, recognize that, okay, this, this guy seems okay. And then, so then it, because that exists, you, you know, the next few years and all the other times that you're talking to them, it's, it's just more two guys talking about hockey. And, and then once there is some turnover in coaches, you're the guy that's been in the league for three or four years and they're, you know, they're the rookie coach. So it's a lot of times they're asking you stuff about uh, what, what it's like around the league and, and what they should expect from different teams and, and that sort of thing. And so, uh, you know, our, you know, this is, this is how we do things at this level. This is how we do things uh, here. And they're, they're, they're pretty good about accepting, Oh, okay. You're the visiting play by play guy. And then once, once play-by-play became much more common throughout the league, every coach kind of had to deal with it from from every team that came in. So it became more of a standard standard thing, I think. Mm-hmm. Well, you moved uh, you moved into a full time capacity in uh, in the operations side of things in hockey now, and you, you've moved out of uh, play-by-play. Um, Let's talk about uh, the couple stops that you made along the way. You leave Bonneville, an opportunity comes in Medicine Hat in Medicine Help. Alberta down south and then uh, and then now you're in Nanaimo um, with the with the Clippers in the British Columbia Hockey League talk about just making that transition not only you know having to move your family um, but uh, going full-time into uh, into the operations side and, and broadcasting being out the window yeah well I, I had mentioned that I'd uh, growing up four years in Asia and had that international experience growing up. And so uh, had an opportunity after uh, all those years in Bonneville to take a, a shot at uh, a position uh, with an ice hockey team in England. And uh, and so we wanted to give my daughter, uh, who is now seven years old and uh, is uh, just the right time to be able to start taking places where she'll remember them and have that international experience and so had that come up and really just couldn't say no uh knew it was going to be a short-term thing though uh as uh, uh, part of my mba program that i was working with uh, we, we did a franchise improvement plan for the the red deer rebels and so the same kind of concept to, to do a franchise improvement plan um based on this uh, team in england and so had a chance to get over there gave the daughter an international experience and then as uh as that was going on uh, the the job opening came available in, in Medicine Hat, and I got approached. And um, working in the Western Hockey League has always been something on my bucket list. And so to to get a chance to work with a an organization like uh, uh, you know a historical organization like the Medicine Hat Tigers, and you know as a play by play guy uh, to be able to work in the same organization as Bob Ridley. Like, I mean, that's epic. How awesome is that? Uh, you know, he just called his 4,000th game. He used to drive the bus. Like, this man's a legend. And uh, so, uh, you know, uh, this is was a, just an opportunity I couldn't pass up. Uh, we knew it was going to be a short-term thing in England, so the family was uh, happy to enjoy the uh, the experience while we were there. Uh, they ended up being there for, for six months. And uh, uh, then, yeah, we moved to Medicine Hat. Thought it was going to be a... a a longer term stay in, in medicine hat, but, uh, you know, pandemics happen and, uh, you know, different organizations make different, uh, uh staffing decisions, uh, when pandemics occur. And, and at that time, uh, I was doing just corporate sales there in medicine hat. 
uh, and the opportunity to uh, uh, take over uh, business operations for a junior A team came up and uh, uh, having more say across more parts of the organization was something that really appealed to me and who doesn't want to live on Vancouver Island so uh, the the wife was gung-ho and uh, the kids seemed to have you move again, and uh, we were we were packed up and moving out here to uh, Nanaimo, and uh, now we're just anxious to see what the Frank Crane Arena looks like with fans in it. So hopefully we'll get to see that at some point. Yeah, definitely. We're all waiting whenever we can get back to uh, any sort of hockey game or event, uh, for that matter, just with everything going on. And uh, I know the Frank Crane Arena is uh, is definitely a good venue for hockey you mentioned bob ridley longtime voice of the medicine hat tigers um what was it like meeting him for the first time or if you had met him in the past um just being able to maybe talk more and be around him a little bit more um with uh, with the tigers yeah it was unbelievable i i actually hadn't uh, ever met or talked to bob uh, until I got to Medicine Hat, uh, obviously knew a lot about him, but uh, yeah, no. And and then even once I started in Medicine Hat, you know, we're, Tigers were playing games, uh, seasons progressing, and and I, you know, still uh, didn't really have that opportunity to, to to meet Bob. And maybe you know that's me just being intimidated uh, or whatever. But it was like ah. Uh, I, you know, don't want to bug him. He's He's got a game he's about to call and that sort of thing. And then it was a game in Lesbridge uh, where I traveled down the road to, to watch the, the big rivalry. And uh, uh, Aaron Schwab, the, the media communications person for the Tigers, uh, was sitting up in the press box. And so I went to, to see her. And she's like, yeah, come on, just say hi to Bob. He's just around the corner. And, yeah, so I uh, had a chance to meet Bob at the in the press box in Lethbridge. And then, uh, yeah, once the pandemic hit, and he was two games away from his 4,000th game, uh, really tough to, uh, really happy that he was able to get that in. But at the time, I mean, he had so much family and friends that were planning on coming to that game and, and, and people traveling from all over the place uh, uh, to, to come and help celebrate it. And I, I think they would have sold that place out in Madison Hat uh, in honor of Rids. And then, uh, yeah, but once the pandemic hit, we ended up setting up uh, uh, almost weekly uh, coffee meetings um, you know, at different breakfast spots around Medicine Hat. So uh, I ended up uh, being able to uh, uh, turn a, a relationship that I, you know, wasn't there and that uh, I, with a guy I'd never met but always looked up to into uh, weekly coffee meetings uh, um, where we just, you know, talk about the business and play by play. And uh, I, I just get to sit back and listen to him tell, you know, old time hockey stories, which was just, a, you know, what an absolutely uh, unbelievable experience. Uh, you know the the world's falling apart around us all, but uh, here I am in, at an IHOP listening to Rids tell stories about what it was like driving the bus while doing play by play. Yeah, quite amazing. You know, I, I'll definitely venture to to try and get him on. He's uh, just a, a wealth of knowledge and a wealth of stories. Was there one thing that he said in in your little breakfast and coffee meetings that uh, you're almost like, oh, geez, I wish I would have known that when I was doing play by play? Uh not it was more just you know dealing with the the business side of of hockey and working with different organizations and, and his insight into you know doing all of the other things outside of the play-by-play and and how encouraging he was for for that uh you know he's like you know i'd usually be there with a textbook or whatever that i was reading and and um you know i 
I'd be there early and, and waiting for him, and then he'd come, and, and he was more interested in what I was learning and, and excited and thrilled that uh, that I was getting into uh, the business side. He's like, you know what, uh, play-by-play gigs come and go. And yeah, sure, I've maybe been around for 50 years, but you, you see these radio guys getting laid off here and there, and uh, it's a tough business, and the money's not great. And, um, so more his excitement to, to see me uh, uh, prosper and, and flourish uh, away from the microphone was uh, was really neat to hear from a guy who, who has that experience in those many games and someone that uh, you know I'd love to you know say it in my career that I had four thousand games called but to hear him talk about how you know what there's a different path and and that's okay too um, really kind of took a bit of a weight off my shoulders as well. Well, Rob, you had 4,000 games called. They uh, were just between the Sherwood Park Crusaders and Bonneville Pontiacs because of all the times yeah. they made oh, the yeah. playoffs. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. 4,000 playoff games. Well, and those were some good series uh, back then, Rob, um, when I had uh, the opportunity to call games for the Sherwood Park Crusaders in the Alberta Junior Hockey League, and uh, and then you, uh, in turn, in Bonneville. Tell me about the book that your father wrote. When did it come out? He wrote a book about sports broadcasters, or at least hockey play-by-play guys. Yeah, so, I mean, my dad growing up in, in Saskatchewan, you know, always a big hockey player. Or, you know, he was a goalie, and, and so, you know, hockey was a big part of his life. And, you know, got a scholarship and that sort of thing out of the deal. And um, then ended up becoming an academic uh, university professor, and uh, he's written a few books uh, uh, that are more in his field. Uh, which is uh, information systems and, and management studies and that sort of thing. And so, uh, you know, he's he's been the author on that side. And then as he was approaching and ended up in retirement, uh, you know, went back more to his roots of, of uh, writing about hockey. And the first uh, book that he wrote was uh, all about people in and around the Lethbridge area. And uh, it was there how hockey impacted their lives. And it wasn't necessarily about, you know, the best hockey players that came out of Lethbridge. And, and it wasn't even uh, about how hockey needed to impact your life positively. It could just be how did hockey, the sport, impact your life or what are your memories of it? And so you'd got the mayor and 30 or 40 other people that each would write a chapter. And my dad edited and compiled and uh, put it all together and, and uh, thoroughly enjoyed that. And uh, then, you know, once that project was done, he was uh, looking for another one hockey related. And obviously he listened to a lot of my games, uh, pretty much every one that he could. And uh, then uh, he just sort of felt, uh, you know what, there's there's how many play-by-play guys across the country that uh, uh, all have a different story and are, you know, they're impacted with hockey and how they got involved and where they former players or did they never play the game or did they you know what got them to sort of a lot like what your your podcast is here is about is, is what got them behind the mic and uh and so he uh pulled uh he, he would kind of find one play-by-play guy. i gave him a few names to get him started obviously and then he he uh uh you know would would interview them and and uh, help them write their chapter and then you know they would usually get uh, pass along a few more names and uh yeah i ended up with uh 40 or 39 um uh, play-by-play broadcasters from uh, from across canada at uh, various levels and uh, uh, uh turned it into uh, uh, quite the passion project for him and, and uh, yeah kind of neat to to have a chapter in a book <laughs> 
before I let you go, uh, we got to jump into the the flash round. The ten questions that I ask each guest here on Behind the Mic, uh, they could be one word answers or very short anecdotes. So we'll, we'll give you a little bit of leeway on that. So uh, are you ready uh, for these ten questions? Okay, go for it. All right, first one: favorite league to cover that you ever got the chance to. Well, I mean, the Alberta Junior Hockey League spent most of my career there, so got to go there. What was your favorite team to call or cover? Uh, well, the Pontiacs obviously spent most of my career there, but uh, as I kind of mentioned that, the world under 17 in in uh, uh, Victoriaville um, might have been my favorite tournament, and the Swedish team on it ended up winning the gold medal, and, and following that team I think was uh, – was pretty cool who was your favorite player to call well on the swedish team it was william nylander <laughs> uh but uh for the the pontiacs i mean uh steam Pashnik is right up there cody fiala uh brinson Pashnik, uh bobby mcmahon matthew register i'm naming off way too many right now so i'll just you know and um uh mark jensen mark jensen i remember you know ryan black was a lot fun to call because Ryan Black was yeah, a lot of fun yeah too. he would yeah. uh he would um definitely do things on the ice uh, a bit of a risk taker but definitely very uh exciting to watch I remember the one game I had to do for you driving up to Bonneville on uh of cold winter's night um in December uh he uh, scored the winning uh goal in the shootout and that was a pretty uh that was a fun game to call for being my first ever call on uh uh, on radio on a, on a doing a play-by-play game on a on a nice. radio broadcast so that was a lot of fun olds in uh in bonneville what a what a game that was um what a game out of all the years you were with the pontiacs what was the best team to be around what season was was the best oh what year was that uh where they went I'm to asking the North you. final <laughs> i know i know i know i'm just trying to all the numbers of years blend together but the year they went to the north final uh, the beat Lloyd Minster in the second round in a six-game series. Uh, Dylan McCombie scored the game-winning goal in overtime in game six to clinch the series. And uh, uh, actually, today was the anniversary of, and sorry, I'm saying today, guys, I don't know what day you're actually going to release this, but uh, the day we're rec- recording this is the anniversary of uh, game four. What game would that have been? Game four, uh, where uh, uh, Cody Fiala threw this just absolutely monstrous hit uh, just inside the Lloydminster uh, uh, blue line, and I, I still feel that it turned the series around. And uh, Bonneville would go on to win the series. Uh, one of the biggest hits I've I've seen covering junior A hockey. Um, you know, just leveled the guy, and. Uh, it was uh, it was huge, and yeah, just the Facebook memory popped up today, so that's how I happened to see it. <laughs> Favorite uh, venue or city to go to? Favorite member? Uh, well, Grand Prairie had food in the press box. I think mm. I've said that about that's five a, times yeah. in this broadcast. That's now. a big one, yeah. So, so that's huge. Like you know, come on, people, um, try to get food for your broadcasters. They they don't have much money. And uh, they'll usually say nice things about you if you if you give them food. So so do that. Uh, I always I always enjoyed calling games at the Father David Bauer. Uh, was always one of my favorite places to get to. Um, didn't get a chance to get down there very often because it's a South Division team. You only go there once. But uh, yeah, I I, I would because your your broadcast location there is just right above the bench. It's money, yeah. And 
and and so great view but then you're, it's also a south division road trip so i never had a color guy on the road with with me down there you know dennis fontaine would come to some you know sherwood park or lloyd or that sort of thing but mm-hmm. uh, you know the south division trips you're usually doing by yourself so i would usually i would turn the mic on for my my color commentator's headset and i'd point it down at the bench and <laughs> i'd get some very colorful language on the radio and then i'd just be like oh so i don't know why that you know it's, it's just so the loud crowd mics, yeah. The, yeah it's uh you know just the story about that folks and you know just turn it up a little bit more and, <laughs> and combined a, with the fact that you know barely anyone went to those uh those royal and mustang games uh, unfortunately um you know not, right. not to be yeah. not to poke fun at uh at the situation, but yeah, those uh, poorly attended uh, those games were, but probably one of right. the best, so the best only vantage people, points. The old, yeah, yeah, the only people then you, that you, you you heard were the, the guys on the bench, but you know, and outside of the colorful language, you also heard some kind of insightful things from you know for someone who never played junior A hockey of what what coaches talk about while they're on the bench. Best advice you ever received. Holy best advice I ever received. Uh, my dad told me that whatever decision I make is the right decision because you'll never know what the other decision would have ended up being. So this was, he's, he said this to me a few times where I've considered different jobs, considered moving different places, gone through different, you know, uh, situations and you're you're hey should I do this should I not do this and he always says just choose one and whatever one you choose that's going to be the right one because that's the one that ends up happening. Other than hockey, uh, what's one sport uh, you would have wanted to to call or cover? Soccer, big soccer fan. Would love to uh, to call uh, a game in in uh, in Europe with the crowd in Europe. Uh, unreal yeah Bayern Munich in a Champions League final would be would be uh, right up there for me what's been your favorite job in uh in sports broadcasting I love hockey Canada stuff and all the travel and you got to do and seeing all parts of the country and seeing tremendous level of of hockey being played and and uh covering uh got to broadcast the the world juniors uh when they were in Calgary um, that year, um, yeah, it was, uh, you know, I got to call that game and Canada almost came back against the Russians. Mark Stone hit the goalpost where they were down like six, one against the Russians. So they came back to make it six, five. And then it was Mark Stone hit the post. Is yes, 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 yes. Yeah. 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 So calling that game, um, again, hockey Canada at the time was, was, uh, experimenting with their hockey TV broadcast. So even though that game was on, you know, full blown TSN, uh, they, uh, they had worked out an arrangement for, for hockey Canada to do an international broadcast for folks who weren't able to pick up the, uh, the geoblock TSN.ca broadcast. And so, uh, yeah, got to call the, uh, the world, the world juniors in Calgary. And that was at the saddle dome. That's the saddle dome. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. First time walking across that, uh, gondola over the top of the clock was nerve-wracking it's it's you're high up there oh yeah, it yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's for sure because it's yeah it's somewhat uh, similar to what it was in uh, in edmonton at the northlands coliseum 
Uh, okay, sub question then, because I, I didn't get this. What was your favorite? Would, would that have been in your favorite Hockey Canada event you ever did? Well, that, that was the biggest one, mm-hmm. uh, obviously. Like, it doesn't get bigger. Yeah, exactly. Juniors, yeah. Right? Um, but, you know, like, so from that standpoint, and, you know, obviously the memories of, of calling that and, and, you know, being a part of that was, was unbelievable and exciting. Uh, but, you know what, like, you know, I, I had a great time at the TELUS Cup in Sault Ste. Marie, you know, like, or, or the TELUS Cup in Leduc, um, that Red Deer won, um, was, was a fantastic event or, you know, the RBC Cup in Summerside, you know, the people of Summerside and that community is just so amazing. Uh, the World Under 17s in Victoriaville, I've mentioned a few times, just, you know, you're, you're in a you know French speaking part of the country, and and you're it, it took my wife on that trip actually, so we got to enjoy that one together. And um, the guys that I was working with on that trip, uh, you know, uh, Dean Gutenberg, uh, who, who did a number of events with me, a really good friend of mine. Uh, you know, ha- having a chance to go with him, and, and James Murray was on that trip too. So, uh, you know, to to have built these relationships and, and folks that you travel with quite a bit, and, and being able to work multiple tournaments with these folks, it was again uh, a great uh, a great time. And so, um, you know, was the World Juniors a bigger event than than the Telus Cup? Yeah, but at the end of the day it's still just hockey games and you're still just calling hockey games having a good time and and sometimes it's about the people that you meet or the communities that you go to that are that are uh, uh, a bigger deal than than what the actual tournament is that you're calling favorite broadcaster active and all time i uh, i've always been a, a big jim Houston fan always liked uh, cuthbert uh grew up listening to lou bardius uh, and I don't think I have one that I would consider uh, an all-time favorite. Lastly, Rob, who should go behind the mic with Taylor Medic? Who should be on this show? Uh, well, we talked about Red, so you got to get him on at some point. Like you can't do a behind the mic segment without the the Godfather <laughs> of, uh, of broadcasting, and so get him on. Uh, but uh, hey, here in Nanaimo, we've got Dan Marshall. You know, he's about to start his 14th year with the Clippers. And so you, you better get Dan on because uh, he, he worked in RBC Cup with me in Vernon. Uh, worked with him before and now working with him again. And uh, uh, he, he's, he's, he's one of the best. So, so get Dan on. Well, Rob, thanks a lot for, uh, for joining me here on Behind the Mic, going behind the mic and, uh, and talking about your career and your journey. And, and certainly, yeah, I'm going to definitely endeavor to get uh, both those individuals on at one point. And, uh, and to your point of what you said about uh, you know, events that you get to go to, sometimes it's, uh, it's not the hockey or the, the sport per se, but it's uh, the people that you get to meet and the friends you get to make. Uh, that sort of thing in the community you get to go to. And then certainly that's what I thought when I got to go to the uh, World Junior A Challenge in Bonneville to uh, just work as an operator and uh, just to run the camera for the uh, the television feed to uh, the internet for uh, Hockey Canada, which ultimately ended up becoming uh, me doing play-by-play because everyone asked for it. And uh, <laughs> that wasn't the original <laughs> job going in, but nonetheless... It was a great time in Bonneville that week uh, a few years ago in December. And, uh, and, and you, you made me feel like a part of the community, that's for sure. 
right place, right time, man. It was uh, it was great to have you out there. It certainly was. Uh, again, Rob, thanks a lot for uh, for joining us, uh, and uh, best of luck, continued success in Nanaimo with the Clippers, and uh, and hopefully uh, Junior A hockey can get rolling again like uh, we know uh, how it rolls and, and what we're used to. And, and again, thanks for going behind the mic with me. Yeah, thanks so much, Taylor. Appreciate it. There you have it. A great conversation with Rob Hunter. He is the business operations director or director of business operations, say that backwards, and forwards for the Nanaimo Clippers of the British Columbia Hockey League. And uh, <laughs> we mentioned uh, you know, some of the intermission interviews that uh, we would do whenever he would come to uh, Sherwood Park. And uh, it was all, always a lot of fun to catch up and talk, uh, talk some good things, uh, talk all hockey, really, related to junior A hockey. Um, but we had uh, some, good, uh, some good conversations and good fun as well, not only with Rob, but uh, Dennis Fontaine, who was uh, a former uh, Pontiac's assistant coach and did color commentary for Rob. His son, Justin, played in the NHL for the Minnesota Wild as well spent time with the Edmonton Oilers organization. And I have a lot of thank to uh, to Rob for um, getting, as we had said in that conversation, my first ever uh, radio broadcast of a hockey game was filling in for Rob. And it, it wasn't in Olds. It was in Sherwood Park doing a game for uh, the Pontiac's broadcast uh, in our booth for our regular uh, broadcast for the home team, the Sherwood Park Crusaders. Uh, so that was kind of interesting uh, as we had talked about, you know, there's a time to be a homer and, and when not to. And I was really conflicted because for the Sherwood Park Crusaders broadcast of it's our broadcast and we got to kind of uh, favor the home team a bit uh, as we always did. But with this uh, added uh added hurdle of not being able to uh, kind of pull for the Crusaders and um, the addition of uh, some radio equipment to uh, broadcast the game in Bonneville on their radio station that they had their hockey team on uh, and it uh, it was fun doing BNR Eccles Pontiac's Hockey that was uh, the company it was uh, sponsored by the trucking company in uh, in Alberta and it was a lot of fun. I remember that first game, Shore Park won in overtime. And it's, I didn't get a chance to ask Rob this, but I remember getting feedback in, uh, uh, about that game because it was back and forth game. And I, I had really, you know, towed the line right down the middle of calling it even and, uh, and, and not uh, being too excited for one team or the other. But uh, emotions got the best of me uh, when uh, the Crusaders won the game in overtime. And uh, I remember Rob said, it was a great broadcast, but we were pretty upset that you were excited that uh, Dylan Massey had scored for Sherwood Park to win in overtime. So uh, that was uh, that was a good experience. And then getting the opportunity to go to Bonneville to fill in for Rob on a game um, when he was out doing a Hockey Canada assignment. And we went to, and we talked about the story there. And it was just fantastic driving out to Bonneville by yourself middle of December uh, the way back was a little uh, little sketchy driving back into Edmonton Bonneville is about uh, two to two and a half hours northeast of uh, of Edmonton but the game was fantastic it went to a shootout as I had mentioned Bonneville defeating the Olds Grizzlies 
you know, shootout. And uh, just the, I remember the staff were fantastic. The team uh, just made everything easy on me. Head coach uh, Rick Swan at the time and general manager um, really uh, made me feel welcome. And then uh, when I had the opportunity to work the World Junior A Challenge that first year that it came to Bonneville that we had mentioned, again, the people of Bonneville and and Rob and everyone who put on that tournament uh, just did a top-notch job and uh, and they really made me feel welcome uh, when I was in town for the week, uh, spending uh, spending a week there in Bonneville. Got to meet some great people, people I still talk to this day, uh, including Rob. And uh, that that was a fun week uh, a few Decembers ago for the World Junior A Challenge. Hopefully, more Hockey Canada events can get uh, not only out to Bonneville but uh, in the uh, the province of Alberta as well, because uh, in the province of Alberta really known for uh for its volunteers and the and the work that uh, the volunteers do all over the province and we talked about his dad rob hunter's dad gord hunter writing a book uh and it's kind of similar to uh, obviously what i'm doing here with this podcast but the uh, the title hockey talk stories behind the voice by m gordon hunter and if you ever get a chance to uh see the book or or even read it uh, the Front cover is the uh, the RJ Lalonde Arena in Bonneville, Alberta. Uh, you could go to uh, bookshop.org to find that one. And again, it's uh, Hockey Talk, Stories Behind the Mic. That was, uh, it's a fantastic book as well. Well, that's going to do it for another edition of Behind the Mic with Taylor Medic. If you'd uh, like to reach out to me for any guest suggestions or we we welcome feedback, good or bad, have anything to say, um, we certainly appreciate it. My Twitter handle, Taylor Medic, at Taylor Medic, T-A-Y-L-O-R-M-E-D-A-K is my Twitter handle. Would love to hear from you. If you have a guest suggestion that you think I should reach out to who would be fantastic on behind the mic, doesn't matter what sport they call, where they are, let me know who I should try and get and I can endeavor to find that said person. So that does it for another week on Behind the Mic with Taylor Medic. I look forward to bringing you another great conversation from someone in the world of sports broadcasting. But until then, stay safe, have a great week, and we'll be back with another conversation when someone goes Behind the Mic.